Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and their daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life there's more than just medicine for a cure. This is More Than Medicine, and the doctor is in. Well, this week we're going to be talking about something that is a little bit more medical than what we've talked about before, but it's also has some spiritual components. And it's actually something, Dad, that you and I have talked about before um, with my background in counseling. I've had, we've conversed about this and and it's anxiety and talking about um, what anxiety looks like and different kinds of anxiety. And so that's what we're going to be discussing today. And I think that the conversations that you and I have had, you as a medical doctor who's also a strong believer who knows the Word of God, and myself as a counselor, this has been so beneficial to hear your input on the issue of anxiety because multiple times I've maybe I've had friends or I've had clients who've come in and I've talked to them and you know, they come in and say, well, I'm struggling with with this anxiety. And I know I'm a Christian and I just need to get a grip. I just need to get it together. They say that about themselves or they have family members who've been telling them that. Is that a fair thing for them to say to themselves or have family to say to them? How do you respond to that as a medical doctor? All right. Well, that's an excellent question. Let me answer that with a couple of illustrations first, and then I'm going to come back to your question. First of all, let me share a a story of a patient of mine that came to see me some years ago, and he had failed his driving test in high school due to overwhelming anxiety. He never graduated from high school due to panic attacks. He was never able to get a job due to excessive anxiety. For 20 years, he self-medicated himself with alcohol. He was not what I would call an alcoholic, but he drank beer every day to tamp down his anxiety. At age 42, his new girlfriend insisted that he see a doctor. And that's how I made his acquaintance. After hearing his story, I treated him with the medication known as Zoloft. Three weeks later, most of his symptoms were resolved. He had quit drinking alcohol completely. His medication dosage was adjusted adjusted at that three-week visit. And then at a follow-up visit a month later, he had obtained a driver's license. He had obtained his first job ever. And his generalized anxiety disorder was adequately managed with a $10 prescription of Zoloft. Now, I thought Zoloft, though, was a depression medication, something you would generally prescribe for, de- for depression. It is most of the time, but it has a strong anti-anxiety benefit. Mm-hmm. So although we use Zoloft and Prozac and Paxil, those are SSRIs, serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and they, are, they came on the market primarily as antidepressants, They also have a strong side benefit of tamping down anxiety. So that was a medication I prescribed for this man who had what we would call generalized anxiety disorder with a little bit of panic attacks. 
and it completely eliminated his symptoms. Well, compare that with the next illustration. This was a female patient of mine who complained of anxiety, trembling, and insomnia. I had known this patient for 25 years. She had never exhibited these symptoms before. As I began to inquire, she told me that she had renters who were destroying her rental property. She was unable to get an eviction notice for these renters for nearly three months. She was angry, she was bitter, and unforgiving towards these renters who were destroying her personal property. These carnal emotions were manifesting as anxiety and insomnia. After listening to her story, I informed her that her anxiety was due to the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness, and that medication would not solve her problem, but only cover over the symptoms. We discussed together biblical principles of praying for those who take advantage of you and the negative impact of anger and bitterness. I challenged her to confess her own carnal emotions and ask God for forgiveness. I challenged her to ask for grace to forgive her renters. She was a Christian woman, and although this was difficult to do, she readily accepted this challenge. I did not prescribe any medication for her at that time. The next time I saw her, she was back to her normal self without medication, merely by applying biblical principles for handling bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. So you see, Christian physicians must be discerning. Of course, our patient patients don't always tell us the whole truth about their life situations, nor do they faithfully apply the biblical principles that we recommend. For simplicity's sake, Ms. Hannah, let's divide my patients with anxiety into three categories. Now, I have to admit, my medical colleagues will cringe at this, but at the same time, I realize most of our audience are not medical people. So just for simplicity, we're going to talk about three categories. One is generalized anxiety disorder. The second one is panic disorder. And the third one is just plain old anxiety, which 90% of us experience at one time or another. Generalized anxiety disorder is described in the medical textbooks as low-grade anxiety that people experience every day for no apparent reason, and it's often uh, a, there's often a family history of those same symptoms. That means mom and dad or grandparents or sisters mm-hmm. and brothers experience the same kind of anxiety. Those patients have difficulty dealing with minor stressors in life. They tend to have poor coping skills. Uh, generalized anxiety comes anywhere from mild to moderate to severe. The symptoms wax and wane in intensity over time. It usually requires medical therapy, and it even may require hospitalization after major life stressors, such as losing a job or the death of a family member. Often, the initial presentation occurs with my patient's first job or their first year in college. Without medical intervention, these patients may never work or finish college. Untreated, these patients will face a lifetime of uncontrolled anxiety. 
treatment is easily accomplished with an SSRI like Zoloft or Paxil or Prozac. Now again, these medications are primarily used for depression, but they have a strong anti-anxiety side benefit. If symptoms are in the severe category, sometimes a sedative may be required. The second disorder I would like to discuss is panic disorder. This is a more severe manifestation of generalized anxiety disorder, which expresses itself with occasional or even frequent panic attacks. Panic attacks are irrational, they are illogical, and inexplicable, which means they just simply cannot be explained. My patients often wake up in the middle of the night from a dead sleep with a racing heartbeat, sweating, and unable to breathe in a full-blown panic for no apparent reason. And I have patients who can't drive over bridges or speak in public without experiencing a full-blown panic attack. I have one patient who can't drive over the county line without experiencing a panic attack, which illustrates how illogical panic attacks can be. I have another adult patient who crawls under the bed with any threat of bad weather, even if he or she hears about it on the Weather Channel in other states. Others have panic attacks with any life stressor or for no reason at all. If they are frequent, panic attacks may be disabling and prevent employment. My patients with panic attacks include lawyers, pastors, professional people of all types, and even just regular ordinary working people who would be incapacitated by their panic attacks if not for a little medication. These are the kind of the situations where they seem so illogical that when you hear them, um, when I've encountered them in the counseling room, a lot of times it's, for me as a counselor, it's immediately a flag to this person needs to go see a medical doctor. Um, But a lot of times, because it's so illogical, the counselee will walk in and say, I know my behavior is just bizarre. Like what's the, it's it's almost like it never occurs to them that something is actually medically wrong um, because they've just surrounded them. The, it's, it's just so ridiculous to them, you know? Yeah, I do. And, and people are embarrassed. Yeah. They don't want to tell anybody. They don't want to tell me, the doctor. Yeah. And I've learned over the years that people have anxiety issues. I quiz them about these kinds of things. And I ask them, do you have problems with being in elevators? Mm-hmm. Do you have fearfulness of being in crowds of people? Uh, do you have other issues that make you frightened or situations that cause you to be frightened and sometimes they'll look at me and say how did you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. I'll say I really didn't know I'm just fishing mm-hmm. I'm just asking questions what's your experience as a doctor <laughs> well, that's right. I, I, I know that just sometimes these kinds of issues go along with with anxiety mm-hmm. and uh, they they think I'm knowing things that that I should not know Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just my experience as a physician that these things are fellow travelers. Now, fortunately for most people, uh, a $10 prescription of an SSRI like Zoloft or Prozac will uh, eliminate their symptoms. Uh, Their symptoms will be pretty well controlled. Maybe not 100% eliminated, Mm -hmm. but managed pretty well. 
Uh, we try to stay away from habit-forming medications like Ativan or Xanax, but if people have severe panic attacks, sometimes you have to add in a little bit of a sedative. Now, here's a caution, Ms. Hannah. Particularly for us Christian folks, for those who do not understand generalized anxiety disorder and panic attacks, there's a temptation for us to say to them, just get a grip on yourself and snap out of it. Or we'll say to them, if you'll just pray harder and trust God more, you'll get over it. That's absolutely not true for these patients. These patients have a medical disorder over which they have no control. No amount of praying will resolve their issue unless God miraculously heals them. Now admit, we always leave the door open for God to miraculously heal people. But in the ordinary course of events, it is a disservice to the patient with generalized anxiety disorder or panic attacks to tell them to get a grip or trust God more. These patients need appropriate medical care. So let's leave folks that have medical issues like generalized anxiety disorder and panic attacks, and let's move over to what I just I call carnal anxiety. Mm-hmm. Now this is what 90% of my patients experience. That's what you and I experience when we are fearful. We're fearful when our child is sick. We're fearful when we can't pay our bills. We're fearful when we might lose our job or when we have a broken relationship. These things induce anxiety or fearfulness in our lives. This is the fear or the anxiety that the Bible is talking about when it tells us, do not be afraid do not look anxiously about you. That's in Isaiah 41.10. Do not be afraid. Do not look anxiously about you. All of us know the, the Bible is full of scriptures that admonishes us not to be afraid. We as Christians have to come to grips with the realization that most, if not all, of our anxiety is a fearfulness that God cannot or will not handle a difficult situation in our life. We may not be willing to say that out loud or admit it to other people, but the emotion of our anxiety betrays our heart. Now, let me ask a question. What is the opposite of faith? Is it the lack of faith? No, I would submit to our listening audience that the opposite of faith is fear. Over and over, the Bible tells us not to be afraid. When we give in to fear, the inevitable emotion is anxiety. This emotion doesn't need medication. It needs prayer and deeper trust in God. All of us are tempted to be fearful or anxious at times. We should deal with this temptation as we deal with all other temptations. How do we appropriately deal with temptation? Well, if we deal with it appropriately, i.e. with prayer, praising the Lord and trusting in God, then we do not sin. If, 
However, Miss Hannah, we dwell on the issue until our heart becomes fearful, then it produces sinful anxiety. That is why John Wesley, many years ago, said, I would as soon swear as fret. To this great evangelist, swearing and fretting were on equal grounds. To the extent that we worry, to that same extent, we are failing to trust in God. We fail to believe His promises. In Philippians 4.19, Paul told the Philippian church, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory. Either we believe that or either we don't. Our anxiety is the end result of assuming responsibilities that God never intended for us to have. In Matthew 6, God promised He would provide for us food and shelter and clothing. Jesus told His listeners in Matthew 6, He said, Consider the ravens of the air, the birds of the sky. He said, They don't store up things in barns, but God, your heavenly Father, provides them for them. He, he told them that the flowers in the field were uh, arrayed more beautifully than Solomon in all of His glory. But do not worry because God is going to take care of you more than the flowers in the field that are here today, but tomorrow are cast into the, to the fire to be burned. And so God has provided for you and me food and shelter and clothing. And yet we worry about these things every month. We worry about paying our bills. We worry about food and clothing and shelter. And I remind our listeners that that having been on mission trips all over the world, I have met people who wake up every day and they worry where they're going to get their food that very day. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I understand more clearly when Jesus taught us in, the, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, when He taught us to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I understood that more clearly after mission trips to places like Haiti, where, where people don't even have subsistence living. And I would ask my patients there routinely, when was your last meal? And it was not unusual for patients there to look at me and say that they had not had a meal for two or three days. And it would break my heart to know that, that those folks were not able to find food to eat on a daily basis. And I understood clearly then why Jesus would say, to poverty-stricken people, to pray, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And yet we in America, we worry about paying our $100 a month cable bill. Mm-hmm. We worry about praying our five, paying our $500 a month new car payment. And there's people in this world who don't have health insurance. They don't have fancy cars. They They live in houses that have thatched roofs and they cook on charcoal in a hole in the ground behind their house. They don't have indoor plumbing and they sleep on straw mats on a hard earthen floor. I've seen this with my own eyes and I've fellowshiped with people like that who worship God with joyful hearts every day. But when they get up, they pray, God, give us today our daily bread because they don't know where their meals are going to come from that day. And you see, God has 
promised to provide those Christians in Haiti food and clothing and shelter. And you and I should not worry about these things any more than they do. Because the same God who provides for my Christian brothers and sisters in Haiti are going to provide for you and me. And having lived for a bit of time in fellowship with those brothers and sisters in Haiti has taught me a lot of lessons about trusting God and not worrying about food and clothing and shelter. The basic necessities of our lives are promised by God. Whenever we worry, we're essentially saying God cannot provide for me or this situation is too big for God. My anxiety is a denial of the sovereignty of God. When I worry, I'm, I'm just saying, God, this situation is too big for you. This need in my life is so big, you simply cannot provide for me. Now, again, I wouldn't say that out loud. I wouldn't admit that to my Christian friends, but the anxiety in my heart is an admission that that's what my heart is thinking and feeling. As a physician, I concern myself with the physical effects of anxiety because it damages the temple of the Holy Spirit. It damages our physical body. In other words, it causes harmful physical effects on the bodies of my patients. The physical manifestations of anxiety include uh, reflux esophagitis, GI ulcers, chest pain, irritable bowel syndrome, diarrhea, headaches, lower back pain, lowered pain threshold, things like that. And when my patients are increasingly anxious, all of these symptoms become worse in their lives. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that anxiety in the heart of a man weighs him down. Anxiety in the heart of my patients is like a heavy stone in their heart that weighs them down physically. So, what is the prescription for anxiety? Sometimes I write on a prescription pad for my patients, the prescription for anxiety. And I almost always write down for them three scripture verses. The first verse I'll write down is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And then the peace of God that passes all comprehension will keep your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot of things in that verse, and we need to talk about some of that. First of all, we have to start by bringing our request to God. The verse tells us to not be anxious, that we, we choose not to fret and worry, but we take our request to God. The things that we fret about, that we worry about, we take them to God, and we pray about them. We give them to God. And then the Bible promises that when we do that with the heart of thanksgiving, that God will give to us a heart of peace. What the Bible calls is the peace of God that passes comprehension, that surpasses our understanding. Now, this is mystical. This is supernatural. It's a gift of God. And if we, by faith, will go to God and in prayer, commit to Him the issues of our life, God promises 
that he will take those situations in our lives, he will handle them for us, and he will give us as a gift the peace of God that passes our understanding. Now, can I explain that to you? No, ma'am, I simply Mm -hmm. cannot. There are just some things in life that I can't explain. And how God infuses His peace, shalom, the peace of God into our lives, I I can't answer that for you. But it's something that God does. I recommend to my patients that they flee to their prayer closet and not to a pill, not to a medication. We never find peace in a pill, but we can only find peace, lasting peace, in the Prince of Peace. I challenge my patients to place all of their problems and their issues of life in what I call a problem circle. And they one by one transfer their issues from the problem circle to the prayer circle so that God will handle those issues in their life. 1 Peter 5, 7 says to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. The literal meaning of that is to roll over. When we cast our cares on God, we roll them over on Him, and then He will take care of them. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee because He trusts in Thee. We have to make a habit of keeping our focus on the Lord God Almighty. And when we fix our mind on Him, the Bible says that He will keep our hearts and minds in perfect peace. I also encourage my patients to study how God has been faithful to keep His promises throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel and to the prophets, as well as to His disciples in the New Testament. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more we read the Scripture, the greater will our faith be. Realize that ultimately anxiety is a choice that we make. We choose as an act of our will to worry or we choose to trust in God. We choose to focus on the problem or the problem solver. Some years ago, Miss Hannah, when you girls were small, I used to come home from work and y'all would be in the backyard playing. You would all be hot and sweaty and dirty. And I would come to the back gate and I would look at you and I would say, girls, what y'all been doing today? And y'all would look at me and you would always say the same thing. Daddy, we've just been playing And that would always make me smile and make me so happy. And I learned a lesson from that because my daughters, there were four of you at the time, just girls, every day there was a big fence around the backyard that kept you safe. And you never worried about paying the bills. You never worried about health care. You never worried about where the next meal was coming from because you had a father who protected you, provided for you, and took care of you. And I realized immediately that I had a heavenly father who loved me and took care of me and provided for me in the same way that I took care of my daughters. And you girls were never afraid. You never worried about the future because you had an earthly father who took good care of you. And you trusted in me completely and never worried or were fearful. The Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And I learned a very important lesson from you girls way back then. 
Dad, thanks so much for talking to us today about anxiety and the three different kinds of anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder, panic attacks, and carnal anxiety. Some require a medication, some not. Sometimes it's a biblical prescription, and sometimes it's a combination of both. Thanks for sharing that with us, and we'll see you next time on More Than Medicine. Thank you for listening to today's edition of More Than Medicine. You can follow Jackson Family Ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and on their website. Be sure to contact them via jacksonfamilyministry at gmail.com for speaking engagements and for book information. Join us next time for More Than Medicine.